feels like it's one of those parts of the portfolio, which is something that should be taken into that long-term account. And we talk about some of these short-term moves because they are relevant and they, they quite possibly present present buying opportunities for investors or, you know, if they, they move high, there can be ways where you can take profits out the market as well. But ultimately, um, my view is that it should be a sort of portion of a long-term portfolio. I mean, th- th- does this short-term stuff really make a difference to the longer-term thread that you think that this market's going to take? Or is this kind of like, you know, is it going to be a sideways market for sort of like 18 months or so? Look, no, I don't. Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the mega trends and opportunities reshaping our world. Good morning and welcome to your regular Friday Exponential Investor Podcast. I am your editor, Sam Volkering, here with my new co-editor, Shay Russell. Welcome again, Shay, to the Exponential Investor Podcast. It's great to have you with us this week. Now, I want to kick this off uh, with talking about something that you are very familiar with that I I saw this week and I've seen it sort of fluttered about a bit on Twitter, which I am on Twitter a lot. I I like Twitter. It's, it's It's a great way to complain about things. Um, but <laughs> I, I noticed this week that uh, the gold price has taken a bit of a, a pounding. And I was, to be fair, I was pretty surprised by that because, as we know, gold is a pretty, pretty solid hedge against things like inflation, turmoil, geopolitical events like war. Um, and so we'd seen the, the, the price of gold actually start to creep higher to I think around two thousand US dollars, even even above possibly. I don't know. You can correct me on that. But then it's it's really sort of come off quite substantially from there. And I I don't really know why. And I know you're an expert in this field, and I want to pick your brain about it. And I'm sure people watching us today want to know what's going on because they're quite likely they've got exposure to gold either directly, physically, maybe through an ETF or some miners or a whole bunch of different ways you can play this market. But can you give us a bit of an idea of what you think is happening with gold at the moment? Yeah, look, so gold's performance of the last couple of weeks isn't particularly surprising if you look at uh, look at a couple of things. First of all, the Federal Reserve raising rates, that's taken the heat out of gold. Um, now, it's not to say gold can't rise during periods of in, uh, rising rates. It has done that before, back into the 1970s, for example. But basically, strong uh, or rising rates creates a strong US dollar. And that's always a little bit of a headwind for gold. Um, now, one of the things you said there before that, um, that's quite interesting is we talk about the, the turmoil going on in the markets with the Russia-Ukraine invasion. Um, gold rallied extremely well on uncertainty, and gold has done this several times. So you look at the annexation of Crimea, gold rallied, you know, 14 days uh, on rumours, but it fell pretty heavily once it happened. It fell back not just to where it started, but it fell even b- below that again. Look back to where the Gulf where a Gulf War was in the um, 1990s. Same thing. So gold tends to reach these not extraordinary highs, but it has a very strong rally on the threat of uncertainty. <laughs> but once something happens and the markets have the the chance to digest the news, now I'm not saying this is good news. It's still pretty catastrophic what's going on, but it's not world ending. So we've been able to, you know, gold, the gold price has come down. It's sort of softened as the, the the news flow starts to come through. So they're two factors keeping a lid on gold at the moment. 
from an internal machinations of the gold market, because I've got some friends in the industry, it's uh, manage money and open interest. So the future side of the business of gold is really moving out. So for three consecutive weeks in a row, they've been reducing their positions and moving to cash. However, what has strengthened on this side of the market are ETF inflows. So I think about 5 million ounces of gold have been, sorry, it's moved from 101 million ounces under management in gold-backed ETFs to 105 or 106 million ounces um, of gold under management by ETFs in the, in the sort of that same three to four week period. So what we're seeing here is that big money pulling out of the market and moving to cash. And we're seeing that more of the, look, think of it like slow money moving into gold for the for now. So that's quite an elevated level to see people moving into in ETFs. It's a good sign, but managed money is pulling back. Why? I don't really have an answer on that yet, but the flight to cash tells me that they could be just de-risking or it was merely just a profit-taking exercise. They've got in at a great price. They've got out at a great price. Now they're just sitting back on the sidelines and waiting for some decisive action from gold. So I've just got a chart behind me. With gold sitting at around about 19.20 in US dollars, look, it's great support, but it's sort of it's just it's banding sideways a bit. So there's no real jerk up or down, and I think that's what managed money is sitting on the outside for at the moment. It's interesting because it, like so, two things sort of struck me when you were talking there. It sounds like the the, the correct way to to play gold in these sorts of markets is is the old buy the rumor, sell the news. Seems <laughs> to be what what's I mean, which I find really really quite strange with something like that as an investment. And the other thing that strikes me is that you talk about sort of the managed money and then you talk about the ETF flows and they kind of seem to be moving in different directions. And it sounds like, as we know, ETF flows quite possibly could be some of, you know, the retail investor, the, the slow moving and sort of is more reactionary than proactive when it comes to investing in not just gold, but a lot of, you know, getting ahead of a lot of themes and trends before they actually move. So it's, it's interesting, you know, I, I actually was talking with somebody recently and, and I'm actually interested in your thoughts on this as well. Um, there are some new ETFs hitting the market. I think there's one that hit the market just in the last week or so um, around recycled gold. And I think we might have touched on this the other day as well. But, I mean, is is that when, – when investors are looking to, to get into gold – I mean, is it is it is it the kind of market that can be really taken advantage of with short term trades, or is it is it one of those things where? So you know me, I'm I'm a bit of a long term investor. I'm not a big trader because I yeah. kind of suck at it, right? Um, <laughs> me too. But, but when it when it comes to gold, in my mind, again, it feels like it's one of those parts of the portfolio which is something that should be taken into that long term account. And we talk about some of these short term moves because they are relevant and they they quite possibly present present buying opportunities for investors or, you know, if they, they move high, there can be ways where you can take profits out the market as well. But ultimately, um, my view is that it should be a sort of portion of a long-term portfolio. I mean, th th does this short-term stuff really make a difference to the longer-term thread that you think that this market's going to take? Or is this kind of like, you know, is it going to be a sideways market for sort of like 18 months or so? Look, no, I don't think we're going to see a sideways market in gold for 18 months. Look, I, I wouldn't rule out it being sideways until June or July. You know, there's that old saying, sell in May and, you know, go away. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's still a few months out. You know, given the shock that we've seen in the market, without another sort of significant newsworthy event, I don't think we're going to see gold really take a, a solid run up above 2000 per ounce again. Again, I'm talking about US dollars. You know, there's multiple currencies going yeah, on for us at the moment. 
look, I absolutely agree with you that from a long-term point of view, the short-term price movements in gold shouldn't matter. Uh, and this has been my bugbear for how long have you known me? For about 10 years. A long time. Um, if gold is in the news, that is not the time to buy it. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, and this is because the mainstream press just don't cover gold properly. Um, in Australia, they tend to cover it if our gold miners produce record amounts of gold that year or if gold's in the news because it's hit an all-time high. That's the worst time you could be buying gold for a couple of reasons. Chances are you're in line behind a 1,000 other people for their physical bars, but odds are you're buying at the absolute high and it's going to fall. The best time to buy is when gold has taken a good fall because every time gold goes up in a straight line, it comes back down in a straight line. So I you know, think like the East. The East buy gold as an alternative form of currency and they don't buy when gold is in the news. Like aside from around, you know, Lunar New Year, for example, that's a, a massive gold buying festival and the price really isn't important. Um, otherwise, you know, when that price is forming like a sideways trend, that can be a way of drawing, you know, that, that you'll see, you know, Asian countries consuming more gold. That's really when you want to be buying. You do not want to be buying when gold is, you know, hitting new highs. I um I am sort of slightly chuckling at, at 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 that idea when you talk about it because it is incredibly reminiscent of how Bitcoin works and how the market <laughs> works. Like the worst time to buy usually is when it is just everywhere. Yeah. Um. The same with you know all parts of the crypto market where it's like NFTs is 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 like the most screaming recent example. It's like when it is literally plastered everywhere, and when your cab driver is telling you about them, and when your gym instructor is telling you about them, it's just like, <laughs> oh, this is like the worst time to be doing it. That doesn't stop us from doing it. I mean, I'm I'm just as guilty as anyone else of buying the top, but also buying the dip, and and yeah. that's. When you've got that long-term time frame, Bitcoin, like gold in that sense, is is when people are terrified. I don't know if gold's got a similar thing, but with, with crypto and with Bitcoin, there's like this um, sort of sentiment candle that moves from like extreme fear to extreme greed. And it's actually a pretty good little sentiment swing about sort of looking at when is a good time to add to your positions or, you know, top up your, your holdings. Um, is that when it's an extreme fear, usually in a massive dip, like the price is ripped off like 30, 40% or something from an all-time high, and everyone's like just terrified that it's going to go to zero. <laughs> and we, you know, we know that that's just not going to be the case. Um, but that's when the smart money starts to move. Like I remember when Bitcoin, so Bitcoin topped, I think it was November, at like almost 70 grand, like just under 70,000 US. And there's like ripped back to like close to 30. I think in some some exchanges, it was even under 30 grand, right? And um, and it was just like, and this is what we write to our subscribers and readers about. It's like, that's not the moment to capitulate and fall to pieces. That's the time when you just take a step back and go, right, what's, what's really happening fundamentally in this market now? As opposed to the to the bigger picture, and and it's it's most of the time it's kind of that whole buy the dip, right? Yeah. <laughs> or or, or um, in crypto, the abbreviation is BTFD. But I won't expand <laughs> on, on the F so everyone can figure that out for themselves. But it just it's it's a similar thing. And look, 
I know, I know. Interestingly, and I'm sure you've you've come across this loads. Is that there's this kind of adversarial relationship between gold investors and Bitcoin investors? Oh yeah. As though the two can't exist in a portfolio side by side. Now, my view on it is pretty clear, and I've said this for a long time. So I've got nothing against gold. Uh, you know, I, most most people have some sort of exposure to gold. It's not a bad idea to have a portion of your your, your, your portfolio in it for a number of hedging reasons and and Anyway, but the same for Bitcoin, right? You know, it should form, in my view, a part of a portfolio for, uh, you know, for smart investors. I mean, what, what's your take on it all? Uh, first of all, I'm going to challenge you on that. Most people don't actually have exposure to gold. There was a study in Australia done a couple of years ago that they estimated that about 2%, or this is probably even before Bitcoin started hitting those insane highs, but about 2 to 3% of Australians owned um, Bitcoin, whereas less than 1% owned gold. Really? So just and yeah, it's, it's a gold ownership in Australia in particular is quite low. It's a lot higher in the US. Uh, now we're talking physical gold. I think you could, if you included things like gold-backed ETFs, you could probably yeah. see that number grow a little bit. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the other thing too is you've got to remember is I think crypto is drawing in more young people to invest in it than um, more more young people are going to gold, and it's simply because it's such a poorly understood part of the market. Uh, whereas there's a lot more chatter around crypto, and quite frankly, it's thrilling. Yeah. Um, you know, I once had $500 worth of crypto, and I've now got about $140 worth of crypto. I mean, it's just been a wild ride. <laughs> Clearly not following your advice. Um, so I, I don't actually think there's a lot of gold ownership out there. But again, I do think just from that, you know, by, by the news, what is it? By the rumor, sell on the news. Yeah. With gold, look at it as like a currency play. And I don't know if this works for crypto. But when the Aussie dollar is really strong and the spot price of gold is falling, that's actually the time to buy gold because then you're basically going to get more ounces for your money. So I assume it would be the same for the pound sterling as well. Um, and now I don't know, is there any sort of correlation that you've noticed in crypto that when, you know, currencies are weak, moving into crypto is a good thing? Or like, has, is that some sort of neat currency play that you can happen there? The, most of the time you find that um, there's sort of like a pretty common theme that the crypto prices and Bitcoin tend to follow the NASDAQ more than they follow currency movements. Um, and we, although, although to be fair, recently, that's there's kind of been a decoupling from that in terms of the, the Bitcoin's price in particular has really sort of turned against the direction that the NASDAQ's gone. Um, and my, my view on it is, is, is pretty simple as that. You, there's, no, there's no point trying to correlate Bitcoin yeah. to currency markets or the stock market or even gold for that matter. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about the ownership of gold when you think about how massive the the global market for gold is, whether it be for use, uh, you know, use in, in jewellery and, and that that industry or whether it be physically holding, you know, in, in ETFs or, or, you know, vaults or however people want to hold it. Um, you know, gold miners, all, the whole the whole industry is, is gigantic. It's much, much bigger than the crypto markets. But yeah, now we're sort of talking about a divergence in who actually owns and holds it. I think it's, I don't know, it's just something to, to think about and unpick maybe a bit further on down the track. But I find that interesting. I mean, I do know that the adoption rates of crypto are escalating quickly. You know, they're sort of on track with early stages of the internet. And I think that's only going to accelerate as well. But interesting, I think that there's still a underserved uh, part of that market where uh, there are, you know, you can you can get access to cryptocurrencies that are fundamentally backed by a physical asset such as gold, and I know there are a number of plays out there that do that sort of thing. So, 
I, I do see in the future these two worlds sort of converging and combining in a bit more of a friendly fashion than, you know, I'm a gold investor, Bitcoin is not backed by anything, so it must be garbage and vice versa. It's like, I'm a Bitcoin investor, gold is rubbish because all the old people invest in gold. And it's like just this stupid, really adversarial kind of tribal instinct that kicks in. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I've just planned that song, you know, why can't we be friends? Why can't? But, you know, the reality is that that just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't understand. Look, I don't know a lot about crypto. I'm the first person to admit that, you know, I've chosen I've chosen what I'm good at and I'm sticking with it. In saying that, I see roles for I see roles for both of them in society, and I don't understand why there is this. I you know own gold because it's tangible; it's worth something. Well, yes, it's true, but it's only worth something if somebody else decides it has value. Um, now, gold has always been highly sought over, so it does have that long history. But I think anybody who is pro gold and anti crypto crypto I was about to say crypto. Then my apologies. <laughs> I, I don't I, don't turn that into a soundbite. Um, I could just see that turning into some really dodgy meme. That's going to go go viral on social media. Yeah, I'll put it in the Wall Street silver threads. Um, I don't, I think it's ignorant to be anti-crypto. Like crypto is very much part of that next transition of money. The problem is we just don't have the right language to know what to call it yet and to see where it fits into what we're doing. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about language there as well. And and this is something I've, I've written about and spoken with a few people about recently. Not just in crypto it's like when you when you get into the crypto markets and learn about crypto it's like learning an entire new language it's like if you if you've only ever spoken english and you go and try and learn spanish it's like i don't know what the hell's going on or you're going to learn japanese and all of a sudden you're reading books from the back and you're like hang on what? <laughs> um and it, it, you know what it's the same for every investment or every asset class even the stock market right a lot of people look at the stock market and just go what the hell is going on? We've just talked about ETFs. I guarantee you there will be people who are like, what the hell is an ETF? Yeah. Um, and for, for anyone watching that doesn't know, it's uh, an exchange-traded fund. So it's it's like a managed fund, but you can trade it like you do a stock on the market. Very easy, quite a lot of liquidity um, as opposed to traditional managed funds. But we can unpick what ETFs are, and that might be something we'll cover in future podcasts is, is what is an ETF, what kinds of ETFs are out there, and how can you invest in them? Because they are, they are handy little tools, but um, again, something for another day. But like I say, Completely new languages for a lot of people. So we must remember to always uh, do our best to explain. And if, if anyone watching has any questions about some of the terminology we use or what we're talking about, write in, ask us. We'd love to hear from you because we don't know what you don't know. And we do our best to try and educate you and let you know about these things so that you can learn these languages because... Um, you don't have to necessarily be able to speak, you know, Japanese and, and Spanish and, and German and English to be multilingual. But if you're investing in the stock market or in crypto or in commodities, there's a whole new language that you can learn uh, and, and and grow your, your knowledge base from there as well. But anyway, we've gone on long enough. Uh, we usually try and keep these to about 15 minutes. We've got 17, 18 minutes. So um, thanks again for joining us this week, Shay. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, We'll be back again with you soon with another Exponential Investor podcast. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye for now.